Well, hot on the heels of that higher-than-expected CPI read in the United States, there wasn't much respite in the PPI numbers overnight, but the markets have calmed down now because some central bank speakers are suggesting that a 100 basis point rise at the next meeting might be a bit over the top. But the bigger question for us is, what will the RBA do next? Now, the unemployment rate is below a level that they weren't expecting Australia to reach until the middle of next year. And to add to Europe's woes, Mario Draghi has resigned, or at least he's tried to. Get ready next week for a week of turmoil in Europe, that's for sure. But let's get through today. First, it's Friday, the 15th of July, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, US stocks are down again, although not as bad as it was. They've uh, actually regained from their losses earlier in the last hour or so. But they finished with the Dow down half a percent, the S&P 500 down 0.3%. The Nasdaq, an ever so slight gain. It's been a good day for Apple, up 2%. A bad day for banks. JP Morgan down 3.5%. The US dollar has lurched forward even higher, up 0.7% to 108.7 on the DXY index. Uh, the highest it's been since 2005, in fact, today. The mighty dollar is also at 1.1% against the Japanese yen, 1% on the Canadian dollar, half percent up on the Swiss franc. So against all of that, the Aussie dollar is down 0.2% to just below 67.5 US cents. The pound and the euro both down half a percent. Smallish bond yield moves today. Ten-year treasuries have uh, climbed a couple of basis points, up to 2.96%. Two years have fallen almost four basis points to 3.12%. And Europe is split. Germany, France and the UK, they saw yields rise three or four basis points. But in the south, well, Italy is up 11 basis points for ten-year yields. Same in Portugal, nine in Spain. You get the picture. And oil, fairly flat now. Uh, It was making reasonably uh, large falls, but they've climbed back from that. So Brent is still just below $100. WTI around $96. And it's been quite a week, and it's not over yet. Quite a bit of US data today, including retail sales. Taylor Nate Nugent joins us from uh, NAB in Melbourne. And Taylor, yeah, I mean, looking over this week, much higher than expected US inflation, higher than expected rate rise by the Bank of Canada, quite a falling confidence in the NAB business survey middle of the week, the uh, the euro dropping to parity with the US dollar, and of course the US dollar going even higher this morning, more lockdowns in China, adding to supply problems, none of this is good news. And of course, last Friday, we saw those job numbers in the US that showed that the labour market wasn't easing any. And then on top of all of that, Mario Draghi resigning in Italy uh, today as well. And yesterday, maybe we should start with this. Those labour force numbers in Australia, uh, they are tightening too. That was quite a surprise, wasn't it? Yeah, good good morning, Phil. Certainly a a busy week in terms of news flow and Australia had its its turn um, yesterday, I guess you could say, that um, that labour market data coming in quite a lot stronger um, than expectations and certainly seeming to demonstrate a labour market that is much tighter than the RBA had been characterising when it was undergoing its its recent tightening cycle, including the 50 basis point um, move last month. And so, yeah, with the, the unemployment rate falling um, four-tenths to, to 3.5%, a, a new 48-year low, um, and employment growing uh, close to 90,000 in the month. So certainly kind of suggesting that that very strong labour demand backdrop that um, is clear from from the kind of leading indicators of labour demand is showing up in in further tightening in the labour market and and that really keeps the pressure on the RBA as it as it seeks to chart that credible path that it's looking for back to to two to three percent inflation um, with 
you know that 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 tight labor market kind of increasing the the risk that the the wages response does pick up more more meaningfully from here and kind of make it make it more challenging as inflation does start to fall back as some of those global factors wane they will be reworking their spreadsheets won't they because i mean their forecast was that unemployment would get down to 3.6 percent by mid 2023 here it is it's lower than that right now so uh and you know that this is surely if we've if we've got it this tight this is surely going to flow through to wages isn't it yeah yeah i think that's right so yeah if we compare it to where what the rba was forecasting in may so it's a decline that's both you know faster and also further they were than they were expecting they had kind of a gradual decline penciled in and not getting below 3.6 in their forecast horizon as as you mentioned so it's it's already below that um and certainly you know at these kinds of levels it would have to kind of even further increase the confidence that they have that that lift in wages growth is in prospect and maybe increase the chances that it you know picks up to to potentially somewhat unhelpful levels um, and importantly with those forecasts as well that that kind of path that they had in may for unemployment rate to kind of glide down towards towards 3.6 um, was consistent with um, in their forecast set um, trim mean um, inflation falling back to within the two to three percent target so just scraping into the top at 2.9 percent only by mid 2024 um and so a, a further upside surprise here flowing through to a, a bit of an upside revision to, to wages growth certainly means that it's quite likely that the rba may be looking um maybe feeling like they're in a position where they need to be forecasting an increase in the unemployment rate in order to to um be confident that inflation will in fact return to target and so all you know all of that increases the risk that they front load even more and potentially even feel compelled to kind of move more explicitly into a more restrictive stance even though they are confident that those longer run inflation expectations are anchored at the moment well yeah but you know 75 or 100 it's all fashionable now isn't it i mean there must be the question about that's where they where they go because i mean the, the situation has changed so so the post-meeting statement in, uh, in in June was the labour market is tighter than it has been for some time. Well, now we can say, well, yes, try 43 years and it's not gliding down to 3.6%. It's just jumped down to 35 has hasn't it? So, I mean, the, there must be some pressure for a bit more front-loading like we are seeing in the rest of the world. Yeah, no, I, I think that's certainly right. So the the, um, the takeaway from the, um, the June statement um, when I read it certainly was that although they were kind of moving quickly, um, away from those very accommodative emergency settings towards a more setting of monetary policy. They were fairly sanguine about the the outlook with, you know, saying that, that um, the current inflationary environment is, um, you know, a large part of that is driven by global factors. Um, and although there is some domestic component to it, and so certainly even if they do remain confident that those, you know, global factors do wane and that the peak in inflation will come kind of late, this year as as they expect before falling back it's really now a question of where does it fall back to and that kind of domestic inflationary backdrop certainly looks to be picking up faster than expected with um with these data and so um all of that means that yeah i think the risk of moving moving more quickly um is is real and we saw markets kind of um take it that way as well with kind of you know market pricing for the august meeting had already moved a little bit higher on the back of that upside surprise to um cpi in us in the us the night before um and then moved a little bit further and so the um pricing in kind of a, a real risk of 75 basis points um, at this stage, and it certainly looks like the kind of that discussion that had been between 25 basis points or 50 basis points at, at recent RBA meetings is very likely to, to move up to 50 to 75. And then, you know, given how other central banks globally are, 
are weighing the the risks and um, you know wanting to to get ahead of this and look serious on keeping inflation expectations anchored. Um, you know the the choice of a, a faster move is certainly you know can't be ruled out. Um, but kind of fifty or seventy five does seem to be a reasonable starting point for what the discussion would be. Basically, around the world, it seems whatever number you're thinking about uh, at twenty five, although uh, maybe maybe not quite so much in the US. We'll come on to that in a second. But let's talk about the US because uh, hot on the heel of the uh, of those CPI numbers, the producer prices uh, also higher. PPI month on month one point one percent for June, up from zero point nine percent. It was actually expected to fall. It's gone the other way. So year on year, that I mean means it's gone from 10.9% to 11.3%. So does that mean that so this is largely energy and food that, that's driving this. If we look at the uh, the core number it's not so bad but obviously energy and food are important. So does that mean these prices will flow through to the consumer? Does this suggest perhaps that CPI hasn't peaked yet in the United States? Is that the big fear here? Well, yeah, I think with the the PPI numbers um, that came in um, overnight certainly you know, reflecting still very, very elevated inflation and, and in large part kind of those same energy factors that we saw driving the, the CPI result. I think, you know, we know that kind of looking forward to the July number that gasoline prices, which were very important in this June number, have already fallen back. Um, some of those kind of upstream food input costs have already, already um, look to be moving as well. And so, you know, while there is, you know, more evidence of very high inflation if we needed any, whether that's kind of a leading indicator of what the PPI is likely to sustain kind of over the next couple of months is probably unlikely. I um, mean, as you mentioned there, that core number, which reflects more of the kind of domestically um, sourced um, upstream cost pressures did did seem to moderate the core PPI. So excluding energy and food fell to 0.4% month on month. Verse point five, and kind of a, a big part driving that was some further moderation in the the margin expansion in in trade services. So that's that's been a key driver as that kind of very elevated goods demand has has been facing into supply constraints. And so you know, unlike the CPI yesterday, potentially there are some silver linings in this very high number for the, yeah, yeah. the PPI in terms of the outlook. And oil, you know, I mean, it is going down. We had the EIA saying oil demand is now at its lowest since uh, 1996. We are seeing stockpiles rising as well, so that's uh, that's helping ease that. So, I mean, that's 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 good uh, good news for the inflation story, uh, unless we, of course, prices go down so much that we all start buying it again. Uh, but I mean, the, the good news from central bank speakers is that they have worked very hard, tirelessly today, to try and uh, water down this hundred basis point talk that uh, was going on yesterday. So, Christopher Wallace. James Bullard both saying, "Look, you know, seventy-five basis point is the is the most likely." Uh, the markets have uh, taken a little respite from that, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we had, um, yeah, a couple of Fed speakers out, um, you know, pushing back a little bit on on um, the likelihood of a hundred basis points at the July meeting, but certainly not um, not meaning to close the door on that. So we had comments from both Waller and um, Bullard as well, saying that. Even with the the CPI in hand, 75 basis points still looked like where they were for um, the appropriate move at the at the meeting um, in July, and so certainly equities and um, so took that positively as well. So equities were kind of much lower um, following on from Europe as kind of you know the the implications of those higher CPI prints were digested, and those kind of weaker earnings reports from a couple of banks as well certainly not helping, um, but did kind of stage a um, a fairly big recovery. Over the session, helped along by those comments as those um, kind of near-term 
Ray Path was, was paired back as well. Well, we've got Raphael Bostic uh, later on today, so he can go back to saying, no, 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 I'm in 100 basis points. So, uh, you know, let's get back onto that, onto the track of that one. Uh, yes, you mentioned the banks, JP Morgan, their earnings a lot weaker than expected. But their CEO, uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, he was uh, out today saying, you know, he reckons that uh, even though, you know, there's this chance that they are going to have to weather an economic hurricane, uh, that consumers are going into in better shape than they were, for example, in 2008 and 2009, because uh, people aren't quite as leveraged as they were then. You know, the whole we've got loads of savings. So, uh, you know, that that might, might be what guarantees the soft landing. But we'll see. There's no guarantee at all on that at the moment, is there? Let's look at Europe very quickly, because Mario Draghi has resigned. Well, he tried to as the Italian prime minister. Uh, He won a confidence motion in parliament, but then the five star movement vetoed a bill that uh, he was trying to push through to try and get to to help people cope with the rising energy bills. Uh, And so he resigned because he thought, well, if I can't work with the five star movement, what's the point? But the president uh, has refused to accept his resignation. So it's just turmoil there. They could be going to the polls. He maybe will be maybe become a, a caretaker prime minister, just like Boris Johnson. I tell you, it's just add. I mean, this is just adding to the concern, isn't it, in, in Europe? Just m- mixed with all the rest of the uncertainty, this is the last thing they need. Yeah, certainly. So um, certainly adds uncertainty to, to the outlook. There, we saw kind of um, Italian spreads move move wider on that news as well, and we saw kind of a little bit of underperformance in the in Italian equities on on that news as well. Those spreads do seem to have come back in a little bit recently, as kind of that news that. Um, the the president hasn't accepted the the resignation and has kind of sent him back to to parliament to see if he can find a new um, a, new, a new coalition. But certainly, like the the risks are, are still elevated even with that because kind of you know in the in the justification for the um, for the resignation um, letter, he did um, Draghi did did note that the conditions no longer exist for um, which was referring to that. Um, you know, broad broad support within the parliament for um, the the agenda um, that that the government has, and so unless that can can somehow be found again, um, then kind of the willingness to continue in, in that role is certainly in doubt. By the way, don't try that at home. Uh, going to your boss and saying I resign in the, in the assumption that they're going to say, oh no, we couldn't possibly accept your resignation. My experience has been they always accept your resignation, and uh, there's someone there to show you the door fairly swiftly. So uh, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. Uh, look, it's quite a week for. Europe next week, isn't it? We've uh, not only got the Italy mess to sort out, there's the ECB meeting and the question about, you know, how much are they going to lift rates? Uh, still a big question mark over that. Are they going to sort out this uh, defragmentation issue? Um, you know, how, how are they going to fix, you know, what's being reflected in the yields in Southern Europe? Uh, how are they going to play that? Because, you know, there's big disagreement on that. Then there's the question about whether uh, Vladimir Putin is going to uh, open up Nord Stream 1. Uh, it's supposed to be back online on Thursday. But, you know, he must be looking at Europe imploding and uh, thinking, well, why why would I do that? You know, let's keep him guessing. So it could be a, a week of complete turmoil in Europe next week, couldn't it? But look, let's uh, let's have a look at more immediately. Today, U.S. retail sales, uh, which might be up, but will they be up in volume terms? Probably not. Uh, and the Empire Manufacturing Survey, more importantly, perhaps, is the University of Michigan survey. What's that going to tell us about consumer sentiment and inflation expectations? Because, of course, this was the read that last time uh, is what pushed the Fed to go harder on rates last month. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, certainly a, a very um, interesting uh, couple of prints coming up for the U.S. And I'm um, certainly in focus as well. So kind of mentioned uh Waller's comments 
um, earlier, um, about 75 basis points being kind of what's most likely now, but did also point to the data flow between now and the, the um, July 26, 27 meeting, including retail sales and housing pricing. So if those do come in materially stronger, then you know, the possibility of a, a larger hike is still, still on the table there. Um, and so, yeah, in terms of what, what markets are expecting, so as you say, prices are, are again likely to be a big factor. Consensus is for the headline retail sales number to rise 0.9%. Um, a lot of that, of course, fuel and that kind of control group to rise a much more modest 0.3%. So probably in, in volume terms, suggesting kind of continued slowing there. Um, and then the other the other key data prints uh, to watch out for overnight is that um, University of Michigan consumer sentiment number. So in terms of the the headline sentiment read, um, you know, likely to stay you know mired in fairly gloomy territory somewhere around its current fifty level, and then that that in five to ten year inflation expectations read um, will will also be be very closely watched. Um, but you know, after the experience uh, last month, um, you know, the the usual health warning that kind of these preliminary numbers are are subject to revision as well. Yeah, absolutely, and lots from China as well. We haven't got time to discuss it today, but GDP, industrial production, retail sales, fixed asset investments. So are they preparing to invest for? life without covid should they ever get to that and uh, and then the g20 uh, this is going to be interesting so the finance ministers and the central bank governors are meeting in bali today and tomorrow i wonder if the uh, governor of the central bank of russia is, is going to show up to that that's going to be uh, fireworks to watch anyway we'll leave it there for now good to talk thanks for coming on taylor catch you again very soon thanks phil I do wonder why we've even got a G20 at this point in time. G19 sounds like a right, a nice round number, doesn't it? Uh, another busy week next week, so join us on Monday morning for that. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great weekend. See you on Monday.